Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining us. So today our theme is automation in recruitment and in particular we're focusing on CRMs but I'm sure our conversation will go a good deal wider than that and all the way up to AI. So I'm joined today by James Lawton. Uh, Welcome James. Uh, James is the um, originator of the RecOps podcast. So if you're looking at the infrastructure that is so essential now for recruitment business owners to thrive then that's one to listen to the RecOps podcast and uh, now works with employee without the first E. James has had a long career in both as a recruiter and working with recruitment tech supply companies. Uh, James, is there anything else you can give our audience about your background briefly? Uh, well, thanks for firstly having me on the show, Alison. Thanks for the plug for, for my podcast, the, the Staffing Recops podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for the lovely introduction. So not a lot to add. Um, I think this September it'll be 17 or 18 years I've worked in and around the industry. So four or five years as a recruiter, many years in recruitment advertising and now seven years selling recruitment technology, specifically what we in the UK call recruitment CRM, what's outside of the UK everyone refers to as ATS. Uh, and in my current role, it's actually both a, a front office, so CRM and ATS, and, and middle office, so very focused on uh, large contingent workforces. Um, the only other thing I'd say about my my podcast is the reason I created it, I saw a, a bit of a gap in the market, um, a number of, of podcasts in this space, of course, but didn't see anybody talking about those that were operating businesses and, and what went into the, the operations around it. Well, I think... Just the fact that you've been working, you know, in recruitment tech for so long is a both, you know, the symptom, if you will, of just how central it's become to the success of recruitment businesses. And yet uh, on my travels um, as a a non-exec and board advisor, I meet lots of people who are struggling with their CRM. So let's just start there. What do you observe are the most common mistakes that people make when choosing, people in recruitment, make when choosing a CRM? Well, it's a very saturated market here in the UK. There are dozens of solutions that you could purchase for your recruitment business. And sometimes it can be a bit confusing for people, partly because um, you don't you don't spend all of your time shopping for a CRM. It's it's something that you'll look at maybe every couple of years, depending on the size of your business. Larger organizations, we see they move far less often. So the very large organisations might only move systems once every 10, 15, 20 years. Um, In fact, quite quite a number of smaller businesses will only look that often as well. I think the biggest mistake that people make is not 
not really defining what it is they're looking for. So over the years, I've I've had conversations with people where they've said, show us what you've got. We, we want to see what's out there. Or they will put together a requirements list by having a conversation internally and saying, what do people want from a new system? And I call that less a requirements list as it is a wish list. So there's lots of shiny new things out there, which is great. But what's it actually going to do for your business? So I think the first thing, if you are reviewing tech, is you need to think about why you're looking. What problems are you trying to solve? Because it's great having the the, the most modern, shiniest, newest thing. But actually, if it's not solving a problem for you, then why are you doing it? And actually... It's interesting now because I was part of the team that originally computerized Hayes, you know, we were from when we went to paper. So that just shows you how, how old I am. That was very different because we were operating on a, like, how can we make it as similar to our paper forms as possible? Now, of course, people will always have some experience of a, of a CRM. But I find that so, there's two common areas that I observe. One is the sort of horns halo effect that if you've got a CRM that you've decided you dislike, then it's very often around one or two features. And so people will look at those features and weight them unduly before being different in a new CRM, be with me. Um, so searchability, it, it, you know, is uh, is a key one. Uh, if you're moving from a CRM where you've got no free text search, then everyone thinks that this will change their lives if they get it in a new CRM, they don't look at every aspect. And the other thing I'd add to um, your thoughts on that one is it's really important to think about the future. If uh, if you are a straight perm business right now, you will naturally, your people will take whatever shortcuts are necessary to efficiently deliver that business. But if you find later on, to take a classic example, that you're moving into the temp contract world and your CRM simply isn't set up for that, um, or you haven't given any thought to integration of pay and bill, for example, because it was never a big deal when you were a pure perm business, then you're probably going to find yourself having to change again or, you know, have some awkward bolt-ons through zero or something similar, which wouldn't be necessary and could remove all those, that duplication. So always think about, if you look at how much recruitment has changed since pre-pandemic, um, there's a whole raft of new product services, things that people might want to consider as a, as future needs. And the capability um, is essential, even if you're not going to use them at the, the moment. So um, important takeaways there. Define what you're looking for. Think about the future and don't focus on just one or two features, the bright, shiny things. Um, it's a big investment, isn't it? It is absolutely not not just financially, but in terms of of time. So, um, you you want to think about putting the right people on the project. So and and at the right time, you do want to include your end users, but I would say not from the very beginning. So the first thing I would do if if I had a recruitment business and I was looking, um, depending on what resource I might have internally, I would probably look externally and hire in a business analyst. It's an interesting comment you made when you were first um, modernizing, digitizing when you were at Hayes. You were looking to recreate your existing forms. Now, what often happens, I see 
again, particularly with larger agencies where they're moving from some really old legacy solution moving into the cloud, you'll you'll sometimes see, not always, but you'll sometimes see them just recreating their old system, but in a new solution. And, and that when they do that, they're really missing a trick. So if it was me personally, I would hire a business analyst to come in and to document what you're currently doing. So this is another mistake that people often make is they go out and they invest in new tech, not actually thinking properly about what they're currently doing, maybe not even knowing what they're properly doing. So what I mean by that is management decision makers might not realize what recruiters, back office staff, business development people are doing on a day to day basis. So the first thing I, was, I would do is actually investigate that, analyze that, look at what is your your current state okay once you know your current state you can then look at whether or not that's working for you what is working for you and what isn't working for you and then when you're looking to define the future state think about what do you want to take over with you from the old way of working and what don't you want to take with you and then thinking looping back to what you were saying a moment ago is it's not only for where your business is today, but where will your business be in five years, 10 years time? Because you want to plan for that. You want to future proof your future business. Mm -hmm. Then once you've done that, you've got your current state, you've got your future state. Then you can really evaluate the technology that is out there from your CRM, ATS and any other plugins, bolt-ons, or indeed any customization that you might need to do. Very small businesses are often spending tens of thousands of pounds straight up on implementation. And as you suggest, it's the it's the time it takes, the business disruption um, that inevitably happens that all have to be added into the cost. If I were to ask you, James, how would you measure the return on investment um, of, of, from a CRM. Would you be able to give me a few a few headline points on that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be different for different people because you've got to think, where are you investing? It's not just we're investing in a CRM. Think back to when you analysed why you're doing it, what you're trying to achieve, what are the problems that you're trying to solve. That's when you can then define where are we going to measure our ROI. OK, so I can think back to uh, one of the sizable projects we were involved in um, years ago, and there were a couple of issues. There was a client who was moving to a new solution. They were struggling with time to fill. So this was a, a high volume. Um, um, they, they, they were placing supply teachers and it was taking 30 minutes to make a placement. Now we're talking about 7 a.m. in the morning, your client calls in, a full-time teacher is, is off sick, they need someone to cover the morning um, at that school. So if it's 7 a.m. and you're trying to cover that shift, they need to start at nine. If it's taking you half an hour to fill that position, that that's quite costly in terms of um, the, the resource you're putting into it and the risk of not actually filling that position and then maybe not even getting somebody there on time. And one of the things they were able to do by implementing a new solution and a new process and new technology is they were able to reduce that time down to six minutes to fill a vacancy. So that's one thing. The other thing that they were struggling with, and, and I don't think they really measured the full impact of this, um, but all of their recruiters were staying on after their normal 
long day recruiters work a long day as it is um, and everybody was having to stay on because of the admin that was involved in their current play so when they moved to a new solution this actually freed up recruiters time and people were able to leave on time now the reason I say they I don't think they measured that properly is because they didn't actually see that as a big bonus but when you think and this is more important today with the war for talent when you think about retention of your own internal staff that's a that's a pretty big metric so it it depends on what you're trying to achieve when you think about the problems that you're looking to solve and then you think about the impact that a new solution has that's your ROI right there so whether it's reducing time to fill whether it's increasing employee satisfaction whether it's um, improving the redeployment rate of your contractors or temporary workers once you've defined what it is that you want to improve that's what you then start measuring in terms of ROI. And quite simply, um, what's the time and the, um, the fiscal cost of it today? And then what do you manage to bring that down to um, with a, a future solution? And, and that's your calculation. So ROI is not just about um, you know, making more money in sales. It, it might be. It, it might be for your business, depending on what it is you're trying to do. But it can also be improving efficiency of certain stages, like time to fill. It can be reducing staff actual working hours. And it can also be, of course, about management reporting and being able to make better business decisions. Some of those are quite hard to pin down in terms of pounds and pence ROI, um, but all worth considering. And um, I think what you've said there is highlighted, also highlighted for me that you are unlikely to achieve the ROI you dream of, unless you commit to a to processes that the ROI facilitate. Sorry, that the CRM facilitates. Because um, I do remember back in the paper to computer uh, conversion at Hayes that the most time of all was spent with focus groups, just trying to agree on what our processes were. And there'd been no need to unify them until then. In my experience, at least, putting a CRM in with loads of, uh, you know, required fields does not work as a way of, uh, of forcing your staff to record data. They simply bow out of the whole system and then start creating their own little spreadsheets and follow on. You're nodding in agreement. Yeah, absolutely. You, you need to think about user adoption. It's very important. And when you think about people often talk about recruiters and salespeople as as being lazy and when they say that it's usually because they're not very good at admin and the reason they're not usually very good at admin is because there's a lot that a recruiter has to do a lot that a salesperson has to do on a day-to-day -day basis so you do want to make that aspect of it as easy for them as possible and of course that's where automation comes in as well but the risk of, of making too many required fields as an example is that they're just going to select whatever's at the top of the list here's a question i get asked a lot what is the best tech stack right um, now uh, it's hard not to roll my eyes when they hear the question um but let me put it to you is is there a best tech stack and if the answer is well it depends on who you are and what you're doing then how would you go about determining that yeah, well, so it is, it is indeed dependent on who you are and, and what you're doing. And it's a, a strange job that I have in my role because um, I'm often anti-selling. And what I mean by that is I will always go through a, a discovery session with somebody when, when I first connect with somebody that's 
that's on the market. And what I want to be making sure that I'm doing is not wasting my time or theirs. Um, so very quickly, I try and define, well, what is it you're trying to, to achieve? What are you trying to do? And for many, particularly small businesses, particularly if it's a, a, a one-man band or a five-person agency, you probably shouldn't over-invest your time into looking for solutions you need something that works you need something that's going to help you get on with your job but what are the few things that you're really trying to achieve i've had so many conversations with um, small business owners that are very um very interested in tech and would like to do all sorts of clever things um, but in reality, they they just don't have the budget for it. It's not worth them spending the big bucks on it because they're not then going to see that return. Um, but yeah, it, it depends on what industry sector you're in. It depends on what type of recruitment you're in. If you're running an executive search firm, there are off-the-shelf solutions for that. If you're working a big, complex firm of any industry sector, then you're probably not going to get anything that's truly off-the-shelf. One of the things that is the same about every recruitment agency is that every recruitment agency is different so there are always things about your recruitment agency that are going to be different it's just a question of how scalable are those solutions to the problems that you've got so the if, if somebody's just initially going out to market for the very first time again coming back to what I said earlier there are so many solutions on the market it can be confusing there are some comparison websites there is of course the twice a year recruitment agency expo and and by checking those comparison websites and going to the expo that's a great place to go and get some ideas when you're first starting out just to see what's on the market but then very quickly you should come back to thinking okay why am I doing this? What am I trying to achieve? And once you know, and it doesn't have to be a business analyst and a very complex process, particularly if you're a small business, it could just be quite simply, these are the problems that we're having at the moment that are stopping us growing or, or causing us problems. And so those are the key things that we want to solve. Go out and have a look at a, a couple of solutions and see if they do solve those problems. Now, I'm going to push you on this, though, because appreciating that you know, it depends on what kind of products and services you offer and, you know, and how process driven your business is. Nevertheless, there's a sort of minimum essentials um, to get started. So imagining then that you were a um, a startup, just two, three people, um, and you are a, starting as a permanent recruiter with a view to moving into temp and contract once you've got some you know, cash flow coming in. From a point of view of functionality, I'm not asking you to recommend a product here, but um, from a point of view of functionality, what do you think is the minimum tech stack that a business like that needs to needs to put in place? Well, it, it comes down to having your recruitment CRM, first of all. So that is the first thing as any, any recruitment business should have is your recruitment CRM because everything else then plugs into that. Um, you, if you go off and start investing in tools like video interviewing software or um, telephony, um, VoIP and, and any kind of software, it will all come back and plug into your CRM because otherwise you can't report on it, you can't measure it, you can't track what you're doing properly without a recruitment CRM. Integrated video software is maybe a, a, you know, a nice to have, but uh, I would say to listeners, you also need to be looking at 
um, the integrations with, if you have a phone system that you, you can integrate into CRM, that will help you enormously with um, recorded, a record of calls. Can be very important in a fee dispute. The the the, re, the reality is that most of the modern cloud-based solutions. So so historically, when I was a recruiter 15, 20 years ago, um, that there were a couple of um, solutions that were on the market in the UK in particular that were very functional. Um, many businesses are still running on these solutions, um, but in in this modern world, they're they're outdated because they don't easily integrate. So. Any business that's looking today, um, you're going to be looking at a cloud-based solution. Now, there's a number of cloud-based solutions in the UK, uh, and they they all have their own marketplaces. So when you are thinking about where does our business want to go and following implementing a, a recruitment CRM ATS solution, what other tech might we want to to implement and integrate, well, you want to go and have a look at those marketplaces. They all advertise them, all of those modern SaaS solutions they advertise their marketplace who, who they're connected with. As you get bigger, as you want more flexibility, um, then, and obviously I'm going to be very biased because I'm, I, I have a product that I sell, um, but if you look at my history, that's all revolved around a certain platform because as businesses get larger, they need more flexibility. And that's both in terms of the system itself, but also those integration capabilities. And really what you want out of a solution is something that's got an open API, because if it's got an open API, then it doesn't matter if a solution is not within the marketplace of existing integrations. If it's got an open API, you can integrate it with any other software that also has an open API. Otherwise, you will just be duplicating an awful lot of effort, won't you? So if it's not integrated to LinkedIn, for example, um, you'll be creating other projects in LinkedIn that have to be replicated, and they never are in the CRM. Um, and as a business owner, um, I think uh, it's really important to be aware of the importance of getting your data and searches into your CRM. Um, I do see a lot of recruitment businesses that are effectively being run on people's private mobile phones or on their personal, on their email account. Um, and, you know, piles of CVs, if, that, if, if their phone was lost, quite apart from the commercial value of the loss of data, the GDPR risk is enormous. So getting the data directly into your CRM um, is absolutely critical. So you've had experience of a number of CRMs. Um, why, why did you decide to join employee.com? Yeah, well, so looking back to when I first started this journey, um, the, the, the first recruitment CRM ATS solution business that I worked for, they, they were acquired. I sometimes wonder, would I still be there today if they weren't? But they, they were acquired by a very large competitor, 50 million US dollars just to kill the product as people still using it today, but they stopped selling it the day of the acquisition. I then spent a short amount of time working for a truly off the shelf solution, a, a very good solution. It, it's won awards for, for being an SME product but that that is what it was and for me the focus has always been after going after larger businesses and having more variety and complexity because that's what I find interesting um the the reason I joined employee is because I was very excited about what they were doing in this particular space and what I mean by that is 
when you look at at the different strands of recruitment the, the different verticals so i'm an ex-contract it contract recruiter now with it contract recruitment certainly back when i was doing it i can't imagine it's changed it was a very fast-paced environment particularly if you were if you didn't have um sole ownership of of working with a client if you didn't have um the, the sole rights to work in that job you're up against competition you've got to fill that job very quickly you've got to find not only the best person for the job but you've got to find them very very quickly but then managing that was very very simple so um it contractors in the uk typically on a daily rate so when it comes to time pay and bill um, and this shows my age, my Friday afternoons, I'd sit by the fax machine with a beer in hand at four o'clock, waiting for the timesheets to come in over the fax machine. But then it was quite simple. Did they work today? Yes, no. OK, pay, bill. Um, when it comes to what historically has been more bums on seat, easier to fill recruitment, the high volume blue collar, the recruitment historically was easier. I'm saying historically because with the war for talent at the moment, it's not just white collar, of course, it's blue collar as well. It's difficult to, to attract on board and retain yeah. the, these people. But when it comes to the, the management of that workforce, it does get really complex because there's all kinds of variance that comes into it. So it's not just a case of did they work today and what's their hourly pay it's did they work overtime did they get special shift allowance for this are they having to work in different locations on the same day there are so many so many variables and that gets really hard when it comes to the technology to have a solution that is flexible enough to support that and employee very small dutch business um, but they landed one very sizable account here in the uk Randstad UK and we took them off one of those old legacy solutions that I was talking about earlier and moved them onto a modern solution with employee on the Salesforce platform to cover all of their brands across the UK all of their different methods of working different strands of recruitment and particularly managing those high volume temporary workers and all the complexity that comes with that so that's that's why I joined employee I've just had a thought while you were talking there that um, and if there are any other CRM developers listening to this, I find very often it, it's it's um, disappointing this, but um, no CRM that I'm aware of fully supports the basic legislation that recruiters have to comply with. So um, if there were a way to, for example, ensure that terms of business got sent before uh, any CV or identifying information got sent to a client, that would be a big step forward. Um, uh, if, for example, um, the uh, you know evidence of um, eligibility to work was actually processed through a CRM rather than having to go out to a you know a, a certified um, identity provider now, that would be a, a big step forward. Um, so. Anyone who's listening, you heard it here first. Right, okay, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, uh, James. My next one's about implementation. Though so you've mentioned the importance of, you know, prep with an anal analysis of your business processes and so forth. I'm gonna make a sweeping statement here. Um, in my experience, the implementation and training provided by CRM providers is hopelessly inadequate. Um, for recruitment businesses. What do you think? 
I think you get what you pay for. So it depends on on what the expectations are. I think sometimes it's more a misalignment of expectations. Um, there's sometimes an expectation that some of the basics would already be known. So there's sometimes an expectation from the agency side that the systems we implement will be as easy to use as the modern technology we use in our personal lives. And I don't think most, certainly the off-the-shelf solutions, they're not quite there yet, but there's a couple of reasons for that. It's such a fragmented market. When you think about the experiences that we have in our day-to-day -day lives, those are with gigantic corporations that spend millions on their technology. Now, some of the larger recruitment and staffing agencies do spend millions on their technology. And again, they, they typically do that on one or two key platforms. But if you are expecting to have um, the same kind of user experience with your recruitment CRM that you would if you were shopping on Amazon or banking with Lloyd's or um, searching on Google or booking a holiday through one TUI or something like that, it's just not going to happen unless you really invest in it. So the, the technology is out there. You can, if particularly if you go with one or two of the key platforms, you can through through the off-the-shelf solutions that are on those platforms, through the integrations that are readily available, um, through utilizing APIs, and then through customization, you can achieve all of these kind of things. So looping back to what you were saying a moment ago about onboarding, um, about managing contracts, about making sure that, that key milestones are addressed along the way and recorded back in your CRM and reported on. All of that's available, all of that's there. Um, but do you have the budget and is it worth you spending the money on having all of those tools? What do you need to, because of course what we want is a profitable business, don't we? Oh. I'm a recruitment agency owner. I want a profitable business and 99% of recruitment owners want to grow that business. Yeah. So you've got to think when is the right time to be implementing this tech? I also think that many agencies will look at this once every three years or five years, it might be their contract comes up and they think, OK, let's have a look. But actually, we should be thinking about technology every day. It should be an ongoing process. You should be regularly reviewing your processes just because you you maybe reviewed your current state when you were looking for new technology and then you selected a new technology. That doesn't mean you should just wait until that contract expires before you then review. Is this still working for us? Because your business changes over time. You were saying earlier, what if you're a perm business and then you actually come and start doing some temp business? You should regularly review what is your business doing, where are the problems, and, and how can we solve those problems today and, and five years ahead? So maybe it's an agenda item for a board meeting. But it would be helpful, I think, for some of our listeners to understand what good implementation looks like. So could you give us some bullet points, advice for business owners if they are yeah. rolling out a new CRM or indeed any new tech, what should they plan for in terms of implementation? So they should plan for actually managing their own expectations and checking these expectations with, with the vendor, the SI partner, the whoever it is that's doing the implementation, um, because I think too much gets taken for granted. So make sure you really 
really take into account what the expectations on me for this implementation because nine times out of ten if an implementation is delayed or goes over budget um, it's usually because the client hasn't been able to respond in time not necessarily because they don't want to but because they haven't been able to so again depending on what it is if it's just an off-the-shelf solution that's being implemented then usually it's not actually a true implementation it's it's a data migration um, but if it is a true implementation of actually defining the processes, defining what happens, how, where, and when, and for who, then you need to have somebody to project manage that internally. Don't expect the vendor or the SI partner to project manage it from your side. They're going to manage the project from their side, but you need somebody internally who's going to manage that. And I would say at minimum, you're thinking if it's a, a, a true implementation, you need somebody who's going to be dedicating 10 to 15 hours per week on that implementation. So that person will be gathering the requirements internally, checking them against the project spec and regularly making sure that the business is updated as to where you are in that implementation and making sure that both the, the purchasing um, um, entity, the, the, the agency and the vendor and the SI partner, if there is one, that they're all aligned regularly throughout. So that person can't be the MD of the business. It can't be um, a, a person who's key decision maker in power because they're just not going to have 10 to 15 hours per week. So ideally, if you've got somebody who is in operations or in IT, that's the person who's going to take this project on. But it might be you want to hire somebody externally part-time as a consultant to help you run that project right okay that's quite an undertaking isn't it but it's useful i think to consider that 10 to 15 hours per week for several weeks potentially for six to 12 months depending on how big that project is so again if it's if it's an off-the-shelf solution that you're going with then you're, you're not going to have that kind of implementation it's going to be more around what's the quality of the data that we're carrying across um, and, and that's a key point, actually, the, the data businesses will often look at the data they've got and give it more value than it actually has. And what I mean by that is if you've got the CV and contact details of somebody who was a candidate 15 years ago, but you haven't spoken to them since, you really shouldn't be migrating that data across to a new solution. GDPR aside, um, that, that data is probably out of date. The CV is definitely out of date. There's no value in that. So you want to think, migrate clean data, recent data, and actually have a database of searchable candidates that are that, that in reality you're, you're able to place. Very good point. And uh, to which I would just add that when choosing a CRM or any tech, it's so important to look at what real support and training is included in your contract and not just assume that you know what one what one company understands by training is the same as another so a couple of Absolutely. short videos are not going to hack it are they um i'd like to finish james by talking uh, a little bit of crystal ball glazing you know the airwaves are alive with talk about ai and the future impact on uh, business and of course recruitment um at the moment um, it's as if we are in the, well, you know, I feel that recruiters have in, embraced the age of automation, um, but 
AI, I don't really see anything much happening in the way of AI right now. So taking quite a short time horizon, um, maybe a couple of years, can you give us your thoughts on how AI specifically, as opposed to automation, might affect the recruitment landscape? Yeah, I think over the next few years, we're going to see a huge change. Um, my expectation in the next five to 10 years is that we probably won't have keyboards anymore. I think the way that we interact with technology is going to change massively. Um, what I would say is that there are, I think there are some recruiters out there who are a little bit scared about it maybe putting them out of work. But I think until until a client can easily and properly and readily explain their requirements without a recruiter having to uncover that truth, then I think recruiters are, are safe in their jobs. But what I think will happen is that the, the, the rate of change is going to increase exponentially over the next five to 10 years. And I think that the way that we interact with systems um, is, is going to change massively. I think the keyboard will be gone. I think that actually we might see a complete change in the way that we work and we won't even be sat at desks, I think, in the next 10 years. But in the immediate future, in the next couple of years, I think that the way that we work with our recruitment CRM, the way that we enter data and extract data, I think that's going to become a lot less cumbersome um, because with things like chat GPT, we're already seeing how that is affecting writing job specs as an example. So it's going to just improve efficiency initially and then I think after that is going to dramatically change the way we work. So um, one of the one of the things I do think um, will come in first is those very early stages of outreach to clients and candidates um, will start using AI rather than you know humans. And, and we're we're seeing some of that already. I mean, LinkedIn is already using AI algorithms in their searches. Um, there are other systems that we see in the rec tech space specifically that are already using some of these algorithms. So it, it depends on what you mean by AI, artificial intelligence. There's a number of different key areas to this. Um, what some people refer to as AI is it, it really isn't. I've seen some tech out there where they say this is true artificial intelligence and actually all it is is an Excel sheet full of a load of terminology and it's a bot that is able to communicate with someone but it's not true AI it's not artificial intelligence it's just a, a program but when it comes into um, um, natural language processing uh, when it comes into um, systems that are able to actually learn and develop themselves that that's the true AI and we are seeing um, that Salesforce World Tour is is coming up um, at the end of the month. And we're going to see some things from the Salesforce platform around AI that I think is, is quite exciting. So anybody that is interested, uh, I'd, I'd recommend going along to that event. Not every recruitment agency is going to put themselves onto the Salesforce platform, um, but I think you'll see some cutting edge tech there. And I would imagine that that will then roll through in the next couple of years to the Recruitment Agency Expo. We, we are slightly behind generally as a sector in recruitment but in, in terms of technology but again I think that's because of how fragmented the market is 
So when you look at, at large organisations, they, they've got the money to invest. And when you look at the UK market, we're what, between 30 and 40,000 recruitment agencies on this very tiny island. So I know a lot of our listeners will be very interested in that event you mentioned, the Salesforce event. Um, so we'll put a note, a link or something in the in the show notes for this episode. Uh, to that. So James, it's been really interesting to talk to you. Um, and I think for anyone who's thinking about their first investment in their own CRM or maybe changing, lots of thought points there to get better value from uh, systems uh, and your processes generally. So James, anyone who wants to get in contact with you, how should they reach you? Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is always a good one or just drop me an email, james at employee.com. And that's employee without the first E, uh, in case you missed it. Um, thank you very much for your time today, James. Thank you for having me on the show. And I've been Alison Humphreys of Recruitment Leadership. Um, please join us next time. You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow recruitment leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.